Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to the Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can donate through the link in the show notes, take a screenshot of your receipt, and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com, which you can also find in the show notes, or DM it to me on social media. Uh, This week's patron is Joe Daniel Montelongo, um, who I love, and our guest is the director of the award-winning shorts Haunt Me and Below the Trees, as well as last year's Winter's Blood, the Internet's premier fan of Let's Scare Jessica to Death, and the person <laughs> I've texted with most about Jane Austen more than anyone else in the world. It's Parker Brennan. Thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh, Brennan. I love this Freddy's Nightmare show, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for agreeing. Again, I was telling you before the show, but I'm always nervous about inviting people on this because I don't know. It feels more like a punishment sometimes. Um, but I think I think I, I think at least one of these episodes, the one we're talking about right now, is probably the perfect one to bring you on for. Yeah, and I hadn't heard of this show, so I wasn't sure what I was getting into either. But it has been a real treasure, I'll say. Oh, oh, we'll get there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the episode we're talking about today is season one, episode seven, Sisters Keeper. The original air date was November 20th, 1988. If you had went out to theaters instead of staying home with Freddie, you could have seen this weekend, the same weekend, uh, Disney's Oliver and Company or The Land Before Time. What, what, a, what a moment for children in 1988. Yeah, I grew up with both of these and I haven't seen them since I was a little kid, but I watched all those Land Before Time movies. All, all 15 of them? Yeah. I, I remember I had a little friend called Sarah growing up, and I think there's Littlefoot as a friend called Sarah, so I identified with Littlefoot. <laughs> oh, Sarah's the Triceratops, right? I mean, that makes sense. Now right. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> okay. So, yes, this... Uh... This episode was co-written by Guess Who, Michael DeLuca, who has perpetrated most of these, and uh, Jeff Freilich, who is now mainly a TV producer. Um, yeah, Grace and Frankie. He yeah, did. Halt and Catch Fire. Karen Tongson has been kept alive by this person for a long time. Karen Tong, sorry, of the Waiting to Exhale podcast. Oh, and okay. Back in the day, Jeff Freilich also did Falcon Crest. And he produced Joe Wench's movie, Wrong Turn 2, for the horror fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I should have written that down for the horror fans, but I was like, Falcon Crest? Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that is, so I had to write down Wrong Turn 2. Um, it's just like, you know what? It. I'm probably wrong about what it is, so let me double check before I just oh. <laughs> spout off. Yeah, you have um, like your fantasy version of it. Yeah. No, yeah. It's like a... It's set in Napa Valley. It's like this kind of soap opera-y drama. Okay. Um, but yes, the director here was Ken Wiederhorn, who has directed previous episodes. He did the the Nazi zombie film Shockwaves, as well as Eyes of a Stranger, which is a very gross movie that I kind of enjoy. Um, I have complicated feelings about it. Um, I haven't seen that one. It is it is a an eighty one slasher movie that is more grindhousey than most of the slashers of that period so it's a little grimy and grubby and unpleasant but mm. it features very good performances from lauren tews from the love boat and a very young jennifer jason lee oh cool 
Oh, and he also directed Return of the Living Dead 2, which I've seen the first and third one. Have you seen the second one? No, I, I wish I could fill in that gap, but I've, I've only seen the first one so far. Damn. Okay. I just need to watch it. I was excited when I saw that. Yeah, no, he he's made his way around the, the fringes of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else? Oh, yeah, the, the cast here, I mean, the main cast is actually, this is actually the first sequel episode we've gotten, which I was right. not expecting from an anthology. Um, this is a sequel to the first episode, no, no More Mr. Nice Guy. Um, but the only thing you really need to know about it is that the lead characters are the twin daughters of the cop who killed Freddy in that episode. But there's not really much context you need for it. Yeah. But the the cast is the twins, Hilly Park and Gry Park. Um, but for some reason... Um, they switched roles in the original episode one of them played Merritt and one of them played Lisa and in this one the other one's playing Lisa and the other one's playing Merritt so you know just Mm. for fun yeah strange yeah there's a lot of strange things about this episode oh Um, (laughs) no kidding but there there are like a a few horror veterans in the cast that I noticed Um, oh go for it because I guess Josh Cox who plays John um, was in the last house on the left remake in 2009 Wow. And he also okay, that career kept going. Yeah, and he had like a small role in the People Under the Stairs, which of course was a Wes Craven movie. So maybe that makes sense. Although I don't think I don't think Wes Craven had. I don't think he touched the show with a ten foot pole. So who knows? Oh yeah, I mean, right. I I am not sure. Last like horror vet that I noticed is this Jeff Bennett actor who played as a character called Jeff was in Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, the telekinesis one. Wow, you should be the dramaturg for me for all of my episodes because this is much better than what I found. <laughs> well, I I just like what I because these actors, some of them, you know, they've been around so long, they've got all these great credits, and I just sort. On IMDb, I sort it by, like, the number of ratings so I can see the most popular things they've been in. And that's, like, my easiest way to see the gems in their filmography. That's really great. My way is very slapdash. Well, I mean, I look at the main cast of the people who play the characters who are actually important. And then Mm -hmm. I scroll through and... Basically, if someone has a headshot on IMDb, it's like, okay, they continued to have a career in the 2000s. (laughs) You're totally right. And so I kind of zoom in my eyes on those and see if I recognize any of the names. And if I don't, I don't click on them. Mm-hmm. I know. It's it's sad, but true. Very true. No, but I, I wish I had. Like, I I will have to deep dive a little more in the future ones because that was great info. Thank you for coming, Parker. <laughs> you know I like research. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, okay, so in this episode... Um, it starts with Lisa, who's the quote-unquote normal one, uh, mm-hmm. the one who has not been fully traumatized and is not seeing Freddy every night in her dreams. Lisa brings home her boyfriend, John. She's wearing her sexiest beret. <laughs> and the music is amazing. I actually, if if you will, like, put it in this episode, I could record it for you. Like, I need to hear this music again. <laughs> I, I don't know what the, like, kind of copyright situation on that is. I think it's fine, but I'll, we'll, we'll see. I'll make a note. Okay, yeah. You can cut this out if you don't want to. No, whatever. Um, I'll probably include it if I remember. Let's let's find out if I remember things. It's just so funky 80s. I, lo- I called it teen sex music in my notes. Oh, I mean, it it is. It, it's <laughs> it's it's intense. Um, 
But so she starts, you know, making out with John. She's like, I only have 20 minutes. And he's like, a lot can happen in 20 minutes. Mm, yeah. And it, I mean, he, he takes after the school of uh, Michael Myers' sister's boyfriend in the opening of Halloween, where he's like, look, give me 17 seconds. I'll be out of here. <laughs> no, um, it, it, he is cute, but he's got like this creepy vacant look in his eyes and he's very horny. So he is like a red flag. Yeah, a horny boyfriends seem to be a very common thread in this show. Some of them <laughs> have like a super undying love that's kind of kind of neat to see in a high school character where it's like I will love you forever. Mm. Um but most mm-hmm. of them are like this. Um Yeah, concur. Okay, so Merritt is asleep while Lisa's making out and the they their supernatural twin powers activate. Um Merritt starts kind of having a sex dream. But then it turns into obviously a Freddy dream. She smashes a mirror. <laughs> Freddy shows up and slashes her, and like four scratches appear on Lisa. And she tells John not to play so rough. And just the use of the word play in a teenager whose necking was really off putting to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, did you mention that in the dream, it's like a Freddy Krueger blanket sweater? <laughs> it's like thing that wraps around her. Oh yeah, no. Uh, there's so many details. Like I try to just distill the scene, but I like I can't talk right now. I, this is not great for being on a podcast. <laughs> I was just very um, struck by that like imagery, and then the smash cut to like the next day. It was very like oh, this is so. You mentioned the reoccurring theme of the horny boyfriends. My reoccurring mm-hmm. theme is really bad transitions. <laughs> Oh no, that's also, um, yeah, these transitions are like, you know, those kind of traditional transitions they have in the Star Wars movies where there's always going to be like a super wild wipe across the screen at some point, very 70s. Yeah. This is like even more clunky and noticeable than all of those. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so basically we learn that obviously Lisa and Merritt are twins, which means they have the same dreams, thoughts, feelings, and mediocre acting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then basically Merritt keeps having these Freddy dreams. Uh, she has a dream where she's kind of like jerking her neck back and forth and screaming, help me at Lisa. And Lisa's just like, I don't believe in you, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, mm-hmm. Because basically the dynamic of this household is that Merritt has kind of been ostracized from her peer group because, you know, she's seeing Freddy and everyone thinks like, oh, that that crazy Merritt, we hate her. Uh, we're going to be incessantly cruel to her because we're high schoolers. Um, it, it, yeah. I just like if any screenwriters are listening to this podcast right now, I want to say if you're going to make an outsider character at a high school Maybe not a tall, skinny, blonde, gorgeous woman. I mean, like, I'm sure those people have their problems, but it it just really kind of hit me. This is so 80s. Yeah, it was. It It's like, well, you know, she has a sweater on, so she's ugly, of course. <laughs> she's a total freak. Or at least not one of those sexy, chunky cable knit sweaters that we have. Oh it's, my gosh. So many sweaters and turtlenecks. The... Yeah, the fashion sexy code of the 80s is a little confusing, as we will learn later. I, I uh, took screenshots of their mom's suits that she wears, like in those kitchen scenes. Like they always have, there's like a couple breakfast scenes in this episode. Mm-hmm. And Merritt refers to her mom as the white tornado, which I thought was worthy of writing down. Oh, yeah. No, and 
I actually, I really admire the mom. Um, so you would have heard the first episode where we talked about her. She's the, she's the original Lady Macbeth who's super horny for extrajudicial <laughs> murder. Yes. Um, but now that her husband's dead, she has fully leaned into like turbo Melanie Griffith working girl. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know what her job is, but she is into it. <laughs> yeah. She's got her shoulder pads on. She's ready to take action. Oh, yeah. Um, and she does wish that she could spend more time with Merritt, who's clearly going through a tough time. And Lisa is extremely jealous that Merritt's getting so much attention from her mom. I know. It's a little, like, do you need the attention that bad? I I don't know. I guess. Yeah, Lisa seems to be getting attention from everyone. Like, yeah. She's, she's, she's just greedy. That's what it is. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. What what's so, the, uh, what's what? the next? Was it the um this bowl cut guitar dudes like the next scene? Yeah, uh, you mean Jeff Ritzo? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Um, there could be an entire episode about the the horrors of the guitar guy in every high school. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he he shows up. He's only in like two scenes, but he's in love with Merritt, which further disproves that she is this kind of pariah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he makes up a terrible song about how he wants, you know, wants her to give him a blowjob at some point, probably. And the most um, 80s girl ever is so envious. Oh, yeah. Her hair is <laughs> a beautiful saguaro cactus. And her outfit, it's just like this whole, she's a full picture of the 80s. Yeah, I didn't even, I think her name's Allison? Um, yeah, and I was looking up that actor, too. She went on to be, like, a big-time choreographer. Oh, good for her. That's a great job. Yeah, from mean 80s girl to great dance instructor. I mean, look, you couldn't have one without the other. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Um, But let's see. So Merritt gets out of a session with her guidance counselor, and the guidance counselor is like, I think we made great progress today. And she kind of criticizes him for being saying such generic guidance counselor-y things. He he says, sue me. I have a hangover. Oh, yeah. He's an odd character. Um... He just seems he seems like very tame, but yeah, I guess he'll throw in like a strange line here and there. Well, I like that they didn't just let it be a super generic '80s line because that's what I, I was fully expecting to just you know have that be the scene because this show is nothing if not full of generic '80s like horror situations uh-huh. and high school situations. But the fact that they kind of put a hat on it, I was like, oh, they're they're trying something. Yeah, there's some fun to be had. Yeah. And then Merritt has a dream about Jeff Rizzo playing her another song on the guitar. (laughs) And then we pan to the right. Um, This is the birth of the immortal gif of Freddie, like, leaping into the air and, like, playing some chords on a guitar, which I did not know it came from here. And I'm so happy. And I, so this way the shot's set up is they're panning from left to right with Jeff on, I think, the bed. And then we go past uh, our twin who's looking all distressed and Freddie. And they do it a couple times. And just whenever they, a shot like that is hard to pull off. And <laughs> so the the acting chops of this poor, is it Merritt in that scene? Yes, it's Merritt. Yeah, she, oh, poor girl. Like, <laughs> I just thought, I don't know about this take. Well, also, because... I think the reason they did this, it must have been because Robert Englund is not in the room with these people. So they're like, we can just hide like in the whip pan that we're just going to a completely different room. Mm-hmm. And so she's looking at nothing. Yeah. And look, that's hard to do when you're, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to be too mean, but like, it's hard to do in general. 
Yeah, I think it um, is a challenge, and they were probably in a hurry. You know, it's TV. Oh, yeah. Oh, they were in a hurry. They had $12, and they were like, Merritt, look, we don't really care. Just, you know, open your <laughs> mouth, open your eyes big. We're good. Right. Um, but then, basically, we're kind of sowing the seeds of, like, it's very much a body swap comedy where it's like my life is harder than your life my life is hard look i'm a popular girl who everybody loves it's so hard um yeah but there's a part where um Merit's at home alone and she dresses up as lisa and does a french accent she's like oh i am uh, this i was doing german i can't do accents but she's like no i know it, but the accent is very it's it's there's a couple european nationalities in there i also wrote like french with a question mark but she yeah there's there's a couple accents in there well it, it's very much you know her like if you're trying to impersonate a fancy person but it's like this is your twin sister if you're doing an impression you literally don't have to do anything <laughs> yeah she's not french you don't know you don't need to do this she's like oh i am lisa i'm so popular and everybody loves me <laughs> yeah I mean, it's a nice image of Lisa, but definitely not the real Lisa. No. <laughs> um, but they do end up deciding to switch places. Um, they decide that Lisa's going to go to school as Merritt, and Merritt is going to stay home, and they'll say, just say that Lisa is homesick. And I don't know why they didn't just switch at school, but fine. Oh, yeah. You can't ask too many questions in this episode. No, <laughs> because you will get no answers. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the part where you sent me a screenshot of their outfits i did because they've got these matching i think i wrote tartan dresses because it's like that scottish fabric to me like a like yeah. a checkered rainbow dresses with giant turtlenecks underneath and i needed to take screenshots of it i needed to text you about it it was a really big moment episode for me yeah, that I will absolutely share on all of our social medias. It's extremely <laughs> important. Like, even if you don't watch the episode, and I do not ask that anybody ha lis lis watch the episode in order to listen to this, mm -hmm. um, but you need to see that image. It's very important. I took um, I took all my own like screen grabs so that when this episode comes out, I can share my own like oh, <laughs> four God. pictures. Um, it yeah, th this is a visual experience like you have never had before james mm -hmm. cameron could never yes um but basically yeah i mean that that's why it's so confusing this is why i can't tell who's supposed to be sexy when because it's just different combinations of 18 layers of thick chunky fabrics and <laughs> i i can't read the code i don't know what it is yeah I can tell you where their fashion inspirations coming from. I don't think they're being very successful, but d there's a glamorous, like golden age actress on their bathroom door who I think is Sophia Loren. Do you know who that is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it is. Oh no, sorry. I thought you said. I thought you were asking if I knew who Sophia Loren was. Oh, was like, sorry. Yes. Yeah, I meant like. <laughs> Excuse do you, me. Do you think it's Sophia Loren? I can't tell because the video is a little blurry. <laughs> yeah. No. Look, the, the quality is not is not there. Um, I couldn't tell, but there's also a poster of like a sexy beefcake man that says something about like, like too hot to be real or something <laughs> like that. I miss that. I want that poster. It's very much positioned in like Lost Boys closet region, um, in Merritt's room. Oh my gosh. I forgot to mention when the closet glows bright red and she like grabs a weapon at the very beginning. Of, okay, <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't need to talk about that, but I, yeah, that was a great moment. 
No, like I said, I mean, look, my my challenge here is trying to distill a 45-minute episode <laughs> into a show that's, like, 35 minutes. So I, I wish I could dig into every detail because I feel like I always choose the wrong ones. But you know, No, no, this is great. We'll keep rolling. So after uh, the tartan dresses. Yes, so Lisa's at school as Merritt. Uh, somebody tosses, like, a crumpled up piece of paper at her, and she rolls it open, and it's a pretty great drawing of Freddy <laughs> um, saying, like, hi, and just, like, kind of mocking her trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, well, your dad uh, killed a, you know, child murderer in town, and then I think people think he snapped and maybe killed himself, I think, is what they think happened. So, you know, really, really ripe for mocking his daughter for having to deal with all this. Um, mm-hmm. but like, really, this drawing is so good. Like, that's such a waste of talent to just throw it at this person. <laughs> like, send it to a gallery. Aw, yeah. You need to like find the art department person who made that and tell them you you really admire the effort. Yeah, no, I I I I wish somebody still had that so they could send it to me and I will frame it and keep it forever. <laughs> oh hell yeah, should be in a frame. Yeah, I hope it is. Who knows? Um, but anyway, so Lisa's boyfriend John makes a pass. Okay, so. Wait, he thinks Merritt is here and makes a pass at Merritt, or who he thinks is Merritt, just really brazenly in the school hallway. And then Lisa, as Merritt, slaps him, but then is surprised when he then goes home to Lisa, who is Merritt, and then makes out (laughs) with her. And then Lisa gets mad at Merritt for making out with her boyfriend. And it's like, you should be mad at the boyfriend for openly making a pass at you as your sister. (laughs) That's the problem. There's a lot of misplaced blame in... We're talking about two episodes um, together, and I noticed a lot in the other episode, too. But yeah, like, lots of, like, girl, let's take a step back. (laughs) Yeah, the the 80s were not a a shining moment for uh, sex politics. (laughs) Oh, yeah, to say the Uh, least. Oh, God. But yeah, then, like, in the middle of making out, Merritt gets too uncomfy with everything she tells john like look i'm sorry we switched places i didn't mean for it to go this far but this is gross and i'm not interested and he his pants almost go they almost tear apart (laughs) from like how strong his boner is in this moment i know he he is so excited to find out that he is gonna make out with twins and it's disgusting Yeah, I think this is where I underlined vacant stare. But there's just something about those eyes. Again, like I think he's a cute guy, but he is creepy. Yeah, he's there's a shark in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're back in Freddy's liminal space. He's calling out like Merit, Merit, and then he pops up and he's like, "Room for one more, blah." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything to say about that, but I feel like. If I don't catalog what Freddy says in this show, what am I even doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I I wrote down, like, all of his end-of-episode quotes. Oh, yeah. No, they're so... something. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so basically, this is the second half of the episode. Usually, we're swapping to a different storyline, but this is one of the kind of Freddy-centric stories, so it's just a kind of continuation. Yeah, so usually it keeps going. Yeah, they're just kind of using that full time that they have. Um. So there's another dream where it seems like both the twins are dreaming at once. Um, and basically, they're both kind of as Merritt talking to the mom. And the mom's like, there is no Lisa. Just poor, sick Merritt. And she starts 
sticking these blades into the tips of her fingers it's a cool image it was so cool but so then they ruined it with what i was mentioning earlier this terrible transition they just threw in like the old fade so she starts she sticks two blades in her fingers and you're Mm. like fuck yeah this is gonna be like a nightmare on elm street 2 moment or something but nope just fade to freddy yeah just a brutal cross dissolve and like she has two blades and then it's freddy with four because it's just like you know what we ran out of time that's all we have yeah so i was pretty disappointed but nice build up yeah no it was it was a great moment of tension of the kind of stabbing and that that's the an excellent actually excellent evocation of the kind of dream sensibility of like this person's acting like what they're doing is normal and it is not Mm mm-hmm um, then of course we see a bit of a calculus class that talks a lot about proving an identity, which is like, I get it. Um, mm-hmm. some so really they, boring classroom scenes coming up yeah, too. <laughs> like they're supposed to be boring, but they go on for too long. Um, <laughs> but it's relatable. Merit, you see the twins falling asleep and you're like, yep. Yep. Yeah. Merritt rightfully falls asleep, but that of course affects Lisa. So Freddie starts kind of invisibly tormenting her while she's awake um she runs out of her classroom freddie <laughs> shoves her into a wall at one point um yeah which she gets to live her kind of ash williams evil dead kind of dream there for a minute of physical comedy it was pretty good mm-hmm. um so she runs into the classroom wakes up Merritt. they both kind of book it out of the room and for some reason we're, we're left in that classroom for like 15 seconds with a lot of adr teenagers just saying things like oh where are you going lucky i wish i could leave class it's like can we just can we just cut yeah and that they gave one of the teachers like kind of a moment too where um she was like i'm bleeding you idiot and we just like hold on him forever and i thought nah <laughs> yeah like we we could have spent that 15 seconds on getting a better Freddy transition earlier, but we didn't. Um, so they go to that guidance counselor. She says, he's from the 60s. He knows all <laughs> kinds of weird stuff. I wrote that down, too. The, like, so the exact quote. She's like, what makes you think he can help? And then Merritt's like, I don't know. He's from the 60s. <laughs> Which is both it's hilarious and also completely inane because, like, you know your mom's also from the 60s. Every, every adult is from the 60s. <laughs> I know, but that's why it was so great. It was I one know. of the best lines in the episode. But hey, look, she's smarter than we are because she's right. He does know how to help. Oh, yeah, he does. Apparently, twins sync up and can have dreams at the same time when really loud alarm clocks are ticking all around them. Oh, God. Yeah, they set 18 alarm clocks on their nightstand. And at this point, they've kind of pushed their beds together because I don't think their beds were that close at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they they have try to have this sync dream um freddy shows up he's like never had a man in your bed before huh i'll be gentle and it's really (laughs) gross um and so he's approaching i think Merritt, and about to like you know stab her or whatever he's gonna do um and the music that's playing i think is the theme song to the show but played in reverse which is interesting oh Um, i didn't even notice i just noticed the kind of when if when you hear enough backwards music like i do Mm. um the, you notice there like the sounds kind of have this weird kind of scooping noise to them where because instead of the sound ending it's a reverse start so it the sound kind of becomes quickly quiet in a really weird way um 
So yeah. it's doing that. And I think it's the theme music in reverse. Cause I'm like, I guess they just ran out of material. So they were like, we need something new to play here. Well, I've got one of those apps on my phone where I can like play something in reverse. So we just have to record that reverse music, play it back in reverse and then we'll know. Oh, genius. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll have to report back on that. Um, yeah, Lisa shows up and smashes him. And then this guidance counselor who teaches a psychology class, they've apparently agreed to be hypnotized in front of right. the class, um, which is both unethical and also not helping um, his lesson about symbiosis. <laughs> No, it was a truly bizarre moment. And I guess the scene just exists to prove that they can, like, sync up. And if they both believe something, uh, it becomes, like, a reality for them. But I don't know. I wasn't buying it. But I'm not, you know, this show is what it is. <laughs> yeah. And look, um, another generic uh, high school 80s situation that is happening that is not uh, called out in the script is the bell rings. And as everyone's leading, he shout as everyone's leaving, he shouts out the homework, which every teacher in every movie does and no teacher in real life has done ever no yeah i always think about that too um I, in my school it was like we all like almost waited like if the teacher had something to say we don't just like, i don't know, ignore them well but also usually the homework is either in the syllabus or it's talked about before or it's on the board um yeah it's every, not a last second thought yeah every professor or teacher Oh, actually, I just saw a college slasher movie where the bell rang and the teacher did the same thing. And I was like, there's not even a bell in college. Where did this come from? Yeah. Weird, um, weird stuff. It is weird stuff. But it's like what adults think is school. I guess you forget after a while. Maybe. I haven't yet, but I'm not, you know, Jeff Freilich or whoever wrote this episode. Right, yeah. Um, so basically, Freddy, they go back into the dream. They're trying to team up against Freddy. He is practicing for uh, the dream child where in that one, he just says kind of riffs a bunch of random improv uh, quips about what's going on. Cause he just keeps saying sister puns. He's just like sister, sister, sister's keeper. And it's like, <laughs> were you just hoping that like Judd Apatow style, they would just pick the best one and just cut it in. Mm -hmm. um, the, oh, sorry. sorry. No, no, <laughs> I was going to, I can't remember what there's so many like dream sequences. I can't remember when this happens, but at one point Lisa's like, where is he? And Merritt says nowhere and everywhere <laughs> with like a really weird articulation. And I thought I should point that out. No, I'm, I'm glad you did. Also, your impressions are pitch perfect of these, these <laughs> characters. She just, she just, every now and then she'll give me a word that, um, I, I'm not like, maybe she has a lisp or something. I don't want to be like an asshole that's, but I just had to like write it down because it's, uh, may, or maybe it contributes to her outsider character. Like she pronounces words strangely sometimes. Yeah, no, the, the line readings are ineffable. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so this is towards the end of the episode. Freddie's attacking Lisa with, a. Like Nightmare One style, his arm starts extending really far towards her. Um, it's it's actually a really cool effect, and his arm is dripping like, just like it's soaked. Uh, yeah. Like he just got back from Not Soak City, um, and it's just dripping water as it extends towards her. Um, Do you uh, think that was like a throwback to the uh, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, how he has those great extended arms? Yeah, it must have been, and I, I, I definitely enjoyed that. It's a good effect, and also it kind of calls back a kind of power that Freddy already has. Um, but yeah, so Merritt wakes up, Lisa is dead in her bed, and the mom comes in, like, screaming, What did you do? 
Um, yeah, yeah. Which is a pretty fun ending, I would say. It's decent. Yeah, it's like that classic uh, where you have the character who's supposedly insane and no one believes them. She's like, oh, like back to the loony bin with me. And uh, it, it was a dramatic ending. Yeah, no, look, it, it's the perfect like kind of soap opera <laughs> ending for this uh, episode. Because I was thinking, I was, I was just hoping it wouldn't end with both of them dying. Because in these anthology shows, mostly the main characters just die at the end. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, so I was like... No, at least Merritt's fine. She was my favorite. But what really kind of ruined the ending for me is Freddy's little moment because <laughs> there's like two nude mannequins that kind of resemble Merritt and Lisa. And I just I, I thought. I being generous. They have blonde wigs on. <laughs> yeah. But I guess uh, I just thought, do like these representations of the teen girls need to be like sexy nude mannequins? And he just kind of cuts them and says now you can tell them apart <laughs> yeah no you're right that it's really gross the literal objectification of that um he he does um do that in this show where he it, he does play with like very bad corpse puppets of some of the characters okay. um but you're right like the over sexualization of them is is too much yeah um, the little feminist a- hiding inside me who likes to pop out all the time uh, was not no, pleased. <laughs> no, no need to hide. Um, and also, that line could have been better with "Now you can tell them apart" because one is dead and covered in blood, and the other is not. Like that's already a good gag. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it's time for our final thoughts. Um, was this episode a dream? Was it a nightmare? Or did it put you to sleep? What do you think, Parker? Absolutely, did not put me to sleep. Uh, I've, I'm going to go ahead and say it was a dream because this is okay. some high camp. Uh, I wasn't bored for a second. I cackled while I wrote these notes. It was a dream. What about you? Um, It was a dream for me, too. I would say this episode has its merits. <laughs> very very it's good. Lisa. Very good. <laughs> yes. Very um, clever, Brennan. Thank you. Um, Yeah, it's very much... It is like a mediocre Elm Street movie, and I have endured plenty of those and this one was half as long so you know what do i have to complain about yeah uh i i recommend it. i'm sure uh people who are listening to this show like maybe they want to dip their toes in for at least one episode if they don't want to watch like this full first season this would probably mm-hmm. be a good one to check out yeah for sure and the ones that have freddy as an active agent tend to be a little more uh coherent mm-hmm. um because the dream the dreamlike quality of the episodes actually has a purpose and stakes rather than just being dreams without Freddy in them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely fun. Um, Parker, where where can everybody find you and your work out there on the internet? Ooh, okay. So if you Google Parker Brennan, my last name ends in O-N instead of A-N, like our host of this show. <laughs> and uh, you can find my YouTube channel has all my short films for free. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm not on Instagram, but you can find all my stuff through Google. <laughs> and what's your Twitter handle? Oh, it's just at Parker Brennan. Everything's my name. That's so easy. Um, do, so do you not have the problem where there are a bunch of people that have your same name? Mm, there's, there's like one guy on Facebook who has my name, but no, yeah, I haven't, I've always gotten like the emails that I want Ooh. and it just hasn't been much of a struggle for my name. 
No, I was so jealous because, um, I, you know, I'm not going to put your contact on blast, but in, in your email address, it just had your full name just all together. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. Like, yeah. what a beautiful thing. I know. I got the rare. I think my, so my first name, everyone thinks is a last name. So I guess it's just rare that people put uh, the last name first. So I get the name. Well, con- congrats to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so... Yes, every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. Please help us keep going by donating to The Okra Project. You can donate through the link in the show notes. Take a screenshot of your receipt. Send it to us at w2ptpod at gmail.com or DM it to me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Friends and Instagram at The Burning Clem. Our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you yes. can send them a commission Yes, <laughs> at henryhall.design. Our theme song is Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. You know what? And also, you know, why not give us a rate and review? That'll help people find us, and that will, you know, help raise more money. Because the more people who listen, the more people will donate, and the more episodes we can create. Because I, I want to keep going at least until the end of this uh, Friday show. It's worth it, guys. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah. Parker is speaking as a donor. I don't think your episode has come up yet, but it will be soon. Oh, fun! Can't wait. Um. And next episode, which, spoiler alert, Parker will also be on, that's going to be an episode called Mother's Day. Here's the synopsis. When Billy's mother and new stepfather go on their honeymoon, he meets neighbor Barbara, who convinces him to throw a party. Meanwhile, a radio psychologist finds herself in hot water when she gives her callers bad advice. Oh my gosh, you guys, you need to hear us talk about Miss Sherry Gamble, the Ooh. psychologist. <laughs> the the impressions will be falling thick and fast. It's going to be great. Uh, no. That'll be on Friday. But until then, uh, sweet dreams, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.